Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Yesterday at church here, uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, they actually meet here on Saturday, which makes it really nice for us because we are able to use the building on Sunday. But yesterday we actually uh, were able, while they were holding a service here, we were in the fellowship hall area and we did our growth track one day. And uh, growth track, if you don't know what that is, it's uh, a class we, we offer people that really helps them grow in their faith, that helps them learn more about our church, helps them learn how to get connected and probably my favorite part, and I really enjoy being a part of Growth Track, and we had a really good day yesterday, uh, but probably my favorite part of Growth Track is I get the opportunity in the very first class to kind of tell the backstory of our church. We, are, we have a pretty short history as a church, but, but in that first session, we get a chance to tell people, hey, here's how this whole thing started and why this thing started. And we get a chance to, to hear that backstory a little bit. And for some of you, you, you know that story a little bit. Uh, my wife grew up in Marysville. I grew up in, in Yuba City. And we met uh, in upstate, or I, I, I grew up in Marysville. She grew up in Marysville. I grew up in Tampa area, so way far from Yuba City. Uh, I just heard my wife laugh. That's what made me think, yeah, I probably said the wrong thing there. Uh, I can't see you guys very good, but I heard her laugh. Uh, but, but I grew up in Tampa. We met up in upstate New York at a college. And, and, and over those four years of college, uh, and, and if you went away to college, you know this, man, you, you, a lot changes over four years of college. Uh, we obviously met each other. And so as a couple, there was a lot of, we had a lot of changes together. But you also have a lot of changes individually. And, and over those four years being in upstate New York and being away at college, a lot changed for us individually. And probably the, the biggest catalyst outside of getting married and, and meeting my wife, but probably the, outside of that, the biggest catalyst to my personal growth during those four years was a relationship that I started with a guy by the name of John Armstrong, who became a lifelong mentor uh, to me that I met and started being mentored by my junior year of college. And John's a guy that, man, he and I are texting last week. I mean, it's been now 25 years, and, and he's still involved in my life. And, and he came into my life really in a big way my junior year of college. My sophomore year, the year before, I had become an RA at my school, and I, had done, I did a terrible job. I, it was kind of my first role as any kind of a leader, and I didn't know what I was doing, and so I was probably the worst RA on the whole campus and so then John came into my life kind of uh, to mentor me my junior year, and, and he did a few things. One thing he did is he helped me organize my life. The very first day I served with him as his intern, I came into my office, and there was, and this, for some of you that are a little bit older, there was a Franklin Planner set of cassette tapes on my desk my first day that I was his intern. And 
If you don't know what that a cassette tape is, you ask your parents. But basically, Franklin Planner was a planning system, an organization system. It had a planner with it. And he's like, first thing you need to do is listen to those things. So I did. And so he helped me organize my life. But probably the, the biggest thing that he did for me is he changed my view of leadership 100%. Before I was with John and before he began to mentor me, and he helped me in a lot of areas of my life, but before then, for me, I thought leadership was something that you kind of went after to kind of prove your worth or to make you feel important in front of other people, and so that's what I thought leadership was, and that's why I thought you wanted to be a leader, and John, in, in those two years and now 25 years later, still in, impacting my life on a regular basis... He really changed my view of leadership. And he changed my view from being something that was about the leader and serving the leader to now leadership and influence is a gift from God that he's given so that you can serve and benefit other people. And I didn't know that. And I didn't know that even as a young college student. And John really helped me understand that leadership and influence was not about the leader but it was to be used as a gift to serve and benefit other people. And probably in your life over the years, whether you're a, a high school student now or whether you're a grandparent, all of us have had leaders in our lives that have been good leaders. And you can probably think of people just off the top of your head of, hey, who have you worked for? Who have you served with that you would say is a good leader that used leadership to serve and benefit others? You can probably name some people. But then there's probably some other people that come to your mind that you think, man, when you think of a leader that wasn't a good leader and somebody that used leadership for themselves and to kind of to, to benefit themselves and, and they weren't somebody that you enjoyed working with, probably a few names come to mind and a few faces come to mind that you've served with over the years. And one of the things that we've been looking at over the past few weeks in this Uncommon Sense series is we've been looking at a leader that definitely wasn't a perfect leader, but a leader by the name of Solomon that was a king in Israel several thousand years ago. And Solomon had a very unique view of leadership, and here's why. He had a, he had a unique view and maybe, maybe a, a better view than probably most people because he had grown up in the house of the king. His father David was the second king of Israel, and so he had grown up in the house of a king. And so all throughout his life, from the very moments that he could have his first memories, he remembers his father and influencers from around the world being in his house. And, and that just was his life. He didn't know anything different. But then he became the third king of Israel and he became known around the world for his wisdom and his wealth and, and people from all over the world came to be influenced by Solomon. They wanted his leadership, his advice in their life and so he had opportunities to interact with the top leaders in the world and they actually sought him out. But then he also had a unique view because he was raising the next king. 
So his father was king. He grew up in the king's house. He interacted with people that were uh, leaders that came and sought his advice. And, and, and he interacted with the best leaders in the world throughout his life. But then he was also in his mind knowing that, hey, when my reign is over, my son is going to be king. And so his home was a, a leadership institute as he tried to prepare his kids to run the country. And, and as you think about Leadership, you might think, Chris, dude, I, I'm like a part-time worker at Jamba Juice, and I have a C average at Yuba College. I, I get like leadership for like the president, or if I was the king, or maybe I'm the CEO of a company. Yeah, I, I, leadership's important, and, and man, I hope those people are good leaders. But again, man, I, I have a part-time job. I'm like a college student. I, I mean, it's not really something that I've thought about a lot for myself. And, and here's what I would kind of push back today, and I want you to think about it differently. Because whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, you know what? It's important that we have great leadership in our White House. And it's important that we have great leadership in the corner offices of, of the companies that we work for in the CEO's office. And we hope that those people are great leaders. But here's the bottom line. We need great leadership at the dinner table. We need great leadership at the office, on the job site. We need godly influencers in our classrooms. We need godly influencers all throughout our society. And I would say that honestly, the godly influence at the dinner table and at the job site and in the classroom is actually more important than the leadership in the White House. And sometimes we, man, man, we got to get, and we do, I, you, we got to get good leaders and different people in the, the more powerful places in our society, but sometimes we downplay our role. And I want to push back today, and I want you to lean in, whether you're a high school student or whether you're a grandma, whether you're a single mom, whether you work on a job site or in an office, I want you to lean in because leadership and influence is important and vital for our society whether you have a part-time job at Jamba Juice and a C average at Yuba College, or you're the most important, powerful person in our region, leadership's important. And Solomon, he speaks in, in, in Proverbs chapter 16, he takes a few verses and he speaks about what is important for a king. Again, he's raising the next king, and so he, he pours into his kids some wisdom that he hopes they'll take and some, some very important things that are really needed if they're going to be a good influencer or leader. And as we look at this, here's what I want you to remember, and I really want you to grab hold of this thought. God has given you the gift of influence. God has given you the gift of influence. Again, whether you're the top guy or gal at your company, or you're the high school student that plays shortstop on the baseball team, God has given you the gift of influence. Your impact is determined by what you do with it. God's given you the gift of influence, and your impact is determined by what you do with it. 
Not what you do with it when you're really important and you make six figures. No, what you do with it when you're on the baseball team in high school. What you do with it as a, a single mom that's working a part-time job just trying to, to keep things moving. It, it, you don't have to wait till you have an important job or you're the leader of the company. It's so important that we be good stewards of the influence that we've been given. And Solomon speaks to that in Proverbs chapter 16. You, you can follow along on the app or you can follow along. It'll be up on the screen. It says this in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 10. It says, an oracle is on the lips of a king. His mouth does not sin in judgment. Again, he's, he's raising a king. So he's going to talk like he's raising a king. He says, an oracle or uh, your words, your advice, your decisions, the things that come out of your mouth. He says, they're on the lips of the king, and his mouth does not sin in judgment. Basically what he's saying, he's saying, hey, son, your words carry a lot of weight and should not be given lightly. They should not be used unfairly. Your words have weight. And he, he brings that up, and then he says this in verse 11. He says, adjust balance and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. He said, What? Well, back in this time, again, he's, he's talking to his son. He's just said, hey, hey, your, your words are important. They have a weight. Don't use your words lightly because what you say matters. But then he says this, adjust balance and scales are the Lord's and the weights in the bag are his work. And here's, here's why he said that. Back in this time period, a lot of the ways they did business was they weighed things. So the way they showed the value of something is they would have scales that they would weigh everything on. And so you were bringing green beans or you were bringing gold or you were bringing whatever and they would weigh it. And so based on that weight, that's how much it was worth. And shocker probably to you, dishonesty in business didn't start in the 20th century. It was actually, it's been going on for a long time. And so what would happen is people would have two sets of weights. They would have a heavier set and they would have a lighter set. So it says one pound, but it might actually be one and a half pounds. Or it might actually be a half a pound, but still say a pound. And they would use different weights to benefit themselves in business. So if they wanted to make a little more money, they would, they would tell the, the person that was selling something, hey, that, that didn't weigh as much as you thought, so you're actually going to have to give me more for my money, when really it did weigh what they thought, but they change the scale and so what Solomon's saying to his son he's saying man God he demands integrity in our dealings in our business this this idea of of not having integrity in business and and the way people change the scales and put different weights on it it, it just can't happen then he goes on in verse 12, and again, he's, he's trying to teach his son. He's trying to raise the next king, and so he's giving wisdom, and he's talked to him about his words and how powerful they are, and now he's just kind of taking a right turn and talked about integrity in business. But then he goes on in verse 12, he says this, it's an abomination to kings to do evil, for the throne is established by righteousness. He basically, he wants his son to know, hey, buddy. A king who tolerates evil, or, or even worse, promotes it, it invites rebellion, it invites judgment, it invites devastation on their kingdom. But, but a king 
who uses his throne for righteousness and leading in the right way, and that's when you're going to flourish. And what's crazy is, and this, this is probably even what's crazy even today, like you don't have to look far to find somebody that did it the wrong way and made a mess of their life. Like Solomon's son didn't have to look far around the world to find kings and queens that have, had built their kingdoms on unrighteousness and doing things in a way that didn't please God. And he could see how that didn't go well. So, I mean, even if you don't love God, it just from a business perspective, like this route usually doesn't turn out well. This route turns out better. And so this is what he's, again, he's training the next king. And, and, and he's saying, man, your, your kingdom, if you, man, invite evil and you promote evil and you make, don't push it out and away, bottom line, your, your kingdom is going to affect your kingdom. He says this, a few more verses as he talks to his son. He says, in verse 13, righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. He's, he's basically saying, you know what a good king does? A good king loves people that tell him the truth. A good king loves people that shoot straight with him. That tell him the truth even if the truth isn't popular. A good king likes to have people around him that love him more than they're afraid of him and are willing to tell him the truth. And he welcomes that. And Solomon, he understood leadership. He had seen his dad make mistakes. He had made mistakes himself. He had seen his dad have some yes men that, that wouldn't tell him the truth. He probably had some of those same people in his life. And so as he's training the next king, as he's talking about leadership and influence, he's saying, hey, buddy, you've you got to have some people around you that will shoot straight with you. If you're going to use the gift of influence in a way that is good and flourishes, you got to have some people around you that'll tell you the truth, and you got to welcome that. Verse 14, he says, A king's wrath is a messenger of death, and a wise man will appease it. He takes it a step further and says, You know what? When a king gets mad, he's got to have some guys in his life that are wise enough to get into that kind of anger and, and talk to him, and it will help appease his wrath. Like, that's taking it to another level. When you have people, when you're angry or when you're making a bad decision, it's easy to maybe shoot straight with somebody when things are going good. But he said, man, a, a good king, a, a king that uses his influence in a good way has people that even when he's angry, even when things aren't going well, will come and tell him the truth and give wisdom and speak wisdom into that. And then the last verse it says this in verse 15. It says, in, light, in the light of a king's face there is life, and his favor is like the clouds that bring the spring rain. And so what Solomon's saying here, and this is so important to influence, and we're going to talk about how this really speaks to us here in a second, is this. So back in this time period, a spring rain for us, like a spring rain, like, okay, spring rain. We have rain during winter, spring, that's whatever. But for them... Their harvest depended on getting rain at certain times. And when they had good spring rain, like that helped their, their harvest do a lot better. And so he says, he says like a, a spring rain refreshes a community and, and, and helps them flourish. 
He's saying your face as a king, your influence as a king, your favor, your words, like you have the ability to refresh people just like our whole country is refreshed when a spring rain comes and it helps the the harvest flourish. Like your influence has that ability and, and has the power to encourage and refresh just like the spring rain does. And his son would understand that. Because his son would, would, would see farmers and his son would, would understood the spring rain and how important it was. See, Solomon, as he's talking to his son, he remember, this is a guy that was sought out by the greatest leaders in the world. They would travel hundreds and hundreds of miles just to have conversations with him, just to be influenced by him, just to hear his insight. He was a guy that, as I mentioned earlier, had grown up in the house of the king. He had watched the the stories that we read about David, whether you grew up in church or not. the, The story, I mean, think about your bedtime story being, hey, buddy, when I was about 16 years old, there was this giant named Goliath. And let me kind of unpack that story for you, buddy, before you go to sleep. Like his dad was the one that did it. He mean, this is who he grew up with. But then he was also, as I mentioned, he was trying to influence the next king and train up the next king. And the fact that he influenced other countries and he was influencing his son, like his wisdom, his leadership impacted the world at large and and was about to have a really big impact on his own country because his son would take the lead after him. And and here's what I'm guessing. You probably, just like I haven't, I this week I haven't had the president of a country call me and say, hey, can I get coffee with you? I just want to come and just hear from you and listen and get wisdom from you. And I'm I'm guessing, at least I haven't seen any of you at Starbucks with like the, the president of another country. You probably haven't got a phone call this last few weeks with a president saying, hey, I just want to come and be influenced and just have you pour wisdom out on me. So that we're, we're unlike Solomon in that way. Probably you're not planning on running for president to run our country. You might in the back of your mind think I could do a better job than the people that have done it in the past. But you're, you're probably not you know, signing up to do that. That's not, so you're, you're not going to be in the White House or in the governor's mansion just like I'm not going to be. But... Maybe the idea of personal leadership, because you've always maybe thought, well, that's kind of where it goes. Maybe it hasn't been something that you've thought much about. Or or you may have had a wrong view of it based on what you've experienced, just like I did. But here's what's vital for each of us to individually understand. And I said this a little earlier. God has given you the gift of influence. Your impact is determined what you do with it. So yeah, you're, you're probably not going to get a phone call from a president. You're probably not you know, putting your campaign group together to run for president in 2024 or the governor's mansion. But your influence, it's a gift. And, and you and I have the opportunity to use that in a way that pleases God or doesn't. And really our impact is determined by what we do with that gift. 
And none of us want to look up at the end of our life and realize, hey, I had this gift of influence, and because maybe I never had the title of CEO or president, I never realized the gift I had, and I wasted it. None of us want to look up at the end of life and say, man, I wasted a gift that I had for all my life. I wasted it. And in order not to waste it, there's a few questions that I want us to consider. I want you to think about these questions that I'm about to ask you. There's three questions. You might want to write these down. The first question is this, real simply. What environments has God placed me in to influence people? Think about your life. What environments has God placed you in to influence people? He's placed you in a workplace. He's placed you in a family. He's placed you in a classroom. He's placed you on a team. Maybe you work at a store. Maybe you work at a restaurant. Like he's put you in a location. He's put you in an environment to reach people, to influence people, to use the gift of influence for him. And yet, from God's perspective, and maybe we don't think about it this way, from God's perspective, you're the one he wanted in that place for this time in history. You're like, oh, really? So God could have picked anybody else to work part-time at Jamba Juice. But in this moment, he chose you to be that person. God could have chosen anybody to be the third grade teacher at this school and having to do video with all their kids right now. But God chose you in this season in history because he wanted you to be the one to have the gift of influence in that place. My favorite story in scripture that really speaks to this is the story of Esther. If you know anything about the story of Esther, Esther was a queen and she became queen kind of in a really weird way. But bottom line, she was, one of the, uh, she was a queen and she was a Jew. And she found out that the Jewish people were in, uh, there, there was potential that they were going to be wiped out. There were some evil people that were scheming a way to literally wipe out the Jewish nation. And Esther had been put in this position as queen with some influence with the king. And, and her cousin said it this way to her in, in Esther 4.14. He says this. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther, why do you think God put you here? The Jewish nation is on the line. It has potential to be destroyed. And you have this unique place of influence. You have this unique gift of influence with the king. What if God put you here on purpose for such a time as this? What if God put you in that restaurant, in that school, on that team, on that job site for such a time as this? Sometimes we, we think, and I think it's natural, especially when we're young, it's like, man, I'll pull my stuff together and I'll start doing things right once I have more influence or more money. And if you think about it, if you were God, if, if, if you can't handle $1 wisely, why would I give you $100? If you can't handle the little bit of influence that you have, 
If you can't do like the, the few things that you've been given that you think aren't a big deal, but if you can't be faithful with those few things, why should, if you were God, would you give more influence, more resources? And so instead of overlooking where I'm at in life now and, hey, once I get to the next place or once I meet that dream or once I figure this out, then I'll start to get my stuff together. What if you said, hey, I've been put here for such a time as this. Let me be faithful with the influence I've been given today. And just maybe because I'm being faithful with little, God will give me more to be faithful with down the road. And that's what the Bible says. That's not what I say. So the question you have to ask yourself, that first question is, hey, what environments has God placed me in to influence people? But the second question that that really Solomon touched on that's so key to using the gift of influence in a way that's healthy is, is simply this question. Are there areas of my life where integrity is lacking? You heard Solomon, as he was talking to his son, he talked about the uneven balance of the weights and not being honest in, in business. And you, you can read through Proverbs verses like this in Proverbs 10.9 that say this. They say, people with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. The idea of integrity is the idea of completeness or undividedness. And, and let me give you some illustrations. So completeness would be, hey, you know what? When I get married, I'm going to be faithful to my wife 100% of the time. You're not going to sign up to be married to your wife and say, hey, 364 days a year, you have me. Just need one day. That's not integrity. That's not completeness. And your wife's an idiot if she says yes to you on that one. And she wouldn't. She'd probably do things we're not allowed to talk about. Probably shoot you like my wife would shoot me. Uh, But you you can't. Or, or, hey, you know what? I'm going to, you know, six days a week, I'm going to be honest at my job and I'm not going to steal money six days a week. I mean, six days a week, I'm going to be the best employee. Six days a week, I'm not going to steal money from my employer. But in a once a, maybe once a week, maybe on a leap year, I'll take a second day. I don't know. But once a week, I just need a, a few hours to take a little bit of money. That's, that's not being complete. That's, that's divided integrity. And what Solomon said to his son as he was trying to raise the next king is, Hey, buddy, you, you've got to be a, a guy that has integrity. You have to be a guy that is complete in his integrity and doesn't have slip-ups. There's no room for, hey, 20 days a year I'm going to go off the chain in this area, but the rest of the year I'll be good. He, he talks about integrity because a lack of integrity leads to a lack of influence. Think about it. People don't listen to people they can't trust. People might fake you out and like put up with us when we don't have integrity, but we won't influence them. They might listen with their ears, but that's as far as it's going to go. And we all know that because we have people in our life that they say this, but they do this. You can't count on them. They, they don't pull their weight. And, and so you, you have people in your life like that. And you, man, you're polite to them and you listen to them. But they don't have influence on your life. And as Solomon's talking to his son about influence, and as we're thinking about, hey, what environments has God put me in to use the gift of influence? 
we have to ask ourselves that integrity question. And not as a way to like throw ourselves under the bus, but just an honest question. Like, is there areas of my life that I don't have integrity in, that I need God's help in? I need to have integrity if I want to use the gift of influence in a way that pleases God. Which leads to the final question that Solomon kind of talked about. And it's this question. Do I invite people into my life that tell me the truth? Because honestly, if if I don't, I'm not going to use the gift of influence well. Do, Do I invite people into my life that tell me the truth? And I guess the second thing to say is, and then do I listen? Proverbs 19.20 says it this way, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. See, unfortunately, Solomon's son didn't do this well. See, in, in 1 Kings chapter 12, Rehoboam, who was Solomon's son, he takes over after Solomon and I guess Solomon, towards the end of his life, he was, was pretty tough. He was kind of a tough king, and, and not in a good way tough. He was kind of hard on the, the people that worked for him, and, and uh, he was a tough boss to them, and probably didn't do things perfect. And so Rehoboam, he, he did something really well when he first started to be king. He, he got some advice. He said, hey, my dad was really tough on people. He was really hard on people. He was a tough boss. Hey, how should I treat people? Can I get some advice? And so what Rehoboam did is he, he took some counsel. And let, let me read to you what it says in, in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 6. He says this, Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who had stood before Solomon, his father while he was yet alive. And here's what the old guys told him. How do you advise me to answer these people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. So so Rehoboam, he he, he did a really good thing. He went to like the wise men in the country, people that had lived a long time, had watched his, probably knew his grandpa and had watched his dad make good and bad decisions. And he said, hey, how should I serve? How should I lead? And they, they gave him great advice. They said, man, be a servant leader. Like, use your words in a good way. Serve people. And you think, man, that's, that's really good advice. Like, whether you're the king, whether you, what, whatever role you play, that's great advice. Man, that would be, why wouldn't you take that advice? But here's what it says in verse 8. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him. And he took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. So instead of listening to the old wise men that that honestly didn't care what he thought of them and they were just going to tell him the truth, he went to his buddies who would just tell him basically what he wanted to hear. And they told him, hey, be hard on those people. You're in charge. Like, be hard on those people. Make them do, make them wish your dad was still alive. And he did what his buddy said. And you know what happened? The kingdom split. The kingdom divided. The kingdom literally 
has never been the same in the history of the world since the day that Rehoboam said, instead of listening to the wise men who are telling me the truth, who are telling me things that might be hard for me to hear, I'm going to listen to my buddies who just, who just want to keep me happy and they're just trying to get stuff from me and they're just going to tell me what I want to hear. And because he didn't listen to the wise men, because he hadn't surrounded himself and allowed those men to really influence him, the kingdom was divided. And it's never been the same which leads us back to the same statement that we started with. God has given you the gift of influence. Your impact is determined by what you do with it. See, one day, people are going to talk about how your influence impacted their life, just like I introduced to you my friend John. There, there's there's going to be people, and there probably already are, that, that talk about how I impact them or talk about how you impact them. But, but really, when, when we're no longer here, your kids, your friends, people that knew you, people that worked with you are going to talk about you and, and how you impacted their life. What are they going to say? What do you hope they say? See, if, if this is important to you and if this is something that you would say, hey, man, I, I, I buy it. I buy that, man, I've been given the gift of influence, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning. I've been given the gift of influence, and man, I want to use my influence in a way that pleases God, in a way that helps other people and benefits people, and I want to be remembered for somebody that used my influence well. It's vital that you take advantage of where you're at. That you don't wait till, hey, when I turn this age, or when I have this job, or when I have this amount in my bank account. No, it's be faithful with where you're at. Have integrity. And then surround yourself with people that love you enough to tell you the truth. And listen to them. And, and when we do, we use our influence in a way that pleases God. When we do, we use our influence in a way that will outlive us. Our lives impact people, and it will outlive us. And so if that's something that you're interested in, if it's something that you'd say, man, that's, that's the type of life I want to live. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer that I'm gonna, we're going to put up on the screen. And, and maybe you want to write this down. It's in, I think it's probably in the app. But maybe this is just a simple prayer that you would pray before God. You would just say, God, thank you for the gift of influence. Are you thankful for the gift of influence? Maybe, maybe you haven't been. Maybe it's not been something that you realized was a gift. and Maybe it wasn't something that you realized you had, but you would just say, hey, God, thank you for the gift of influence. Give me the courage to listen to the right people, live a life of integrity, and use my influence for the benefit of others. Is that a prayer that you would be willing to pray? Whether you're 18 or whether you're 90. Whether you're the CEO or whether you swing a hammer on a job site. Is that a prayer that you would say, God, let me make this my own. And let me thank you for the gift of influence that you've given me. And God... I need your help because I won't use it in the right way if it's left up to me. I, I need your help. I need your courage to listen to the right people because, man, I'm so tempted to listen to people that tell me what I want to hear. 
Give me the courage to listen to the right people. Give me the courage to live a life of integrity so that my influence will benefit others. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Solomon and I thank you for his wisdom. And God, Solomon wasn't a perfect king. His dad wasn't a perfect king. His sons weren't perfect kings. But God, he in just a very transparent way, shares with us some incredible wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And God, I pray for for those that are here, some that are watching online, Lord, whether they, man, run the company or whether they just started at the company and they're the lowest person on the totem pole. I pray, God, that each of us would realize the environments that we're in that you've put us in and realize the gift of influence that we have. God, I pray that we would use it not to manipulate others, not to benefit ourselves, but God, I pray that we would seek your help and use the gift of influence to serve and benefit others. God, help us to listen to the right people. Lord, if there's some people in our lives right now that we're allowing to influence us that are not of you, that are not giving us the advice that pleases you, God, I pray that you would remove those influences from our lives. I pray, God, that the voices that would be loudest in our hearts would be voices that influence us in a way that pleases you. And God, I pray whether we're a teenager or whether we're a college student or a young family or a grandma and grandpa, that we would listen to the people that tell us the truth and that we would use the influence you've given us to benefit others. In Jesus' name, amen.